It's official. Real Ghost Stories Online and the Grave Talks will be live at the Crescent Hotel for one night only, August 11th, 2019 at 7 p.m. And you are invited. I'm Tony Bruski from Real Ghost Stories Online, and I can't wait to meet you at the Crescent Hotel this August 11th for an awesome night of ghost stories. We're going to have a lot of fun at the Crescent Hotel that night as we record an episode of Real Ghost Stories Online live. The stories on this episode come from you guys, the audience, live at the Crescent. Then it's a live episode of The Grave Talks as we talk with Crescent historian and paranormal investigator Keith Scales. We'll learn all about the history of the hotel, how it came to be, why it's haunted today, what goes on at the Haunted Crescent Hotel, and allow you guys to ask your questions as well with a live Q&A segment. It's a fun night full of ghost stories at the historic Haunted Crescent Hotel, a hotel that we've had many stories from shared about over the years here on the show. Tickets are only $25 a piece and are on sale now. Go to realghoststoriesonline.com and click on the Live at the Crescent Hotel banner to purchase yours. They are very limited, though, and when they are gone, they are gone. Real Ghost Stories Online and The Grave Talks live at the Crescent Hotel in Eureka Springs, Arkansas, August 11th, 2019. Get your tickets now at realghoststoriesonline.com. The following is an encore presentation of Real Ghost Stories Online. In other words, a vintage episode from several years back. We needed to take a quick little break and uh, catch our breath. We'll be back again next week with brand new episodes of the show. EPPs, you get a brand new EPP this week as always. We never take a break from those. So if you're craving brand new material, become an EPP, extra podcast person at ghostpodcast.com. Or patreon.com slash real ghost stories. Hope you enjoy this vintage episode of Real Ghost Stories Online. From Real Ghost Stories Online.com, welcome to another episode of Real Ghost Stories Online. Tony and Jenny Bruski joining you once again, and of course, thanking you in advance for subscribing to the show. How do you do that? Well, you press the subscribe button on the platform that you listen to us on, and then the show gets delivered right to you every single time you put out a brand new episode. So we do appreciate that, of course, showing us some love, uh, giving us a review there on iTunes. Uh, If you do that right now and give us the review on iTunes and some stars and you email me back the username that you did that under, I will email you back a bonus episode of our program as a little thank you. So be sure you uh, get in on that while we're giving that bonus episode away. And of course, as always, just thank you so much for sharing the show with a friend. That's what helps us grow. That's what uh, what helps us get more real ghost stories in here every single uh, episode that we put out to you. So... Uh, without you and your sharing and your friends and everyone uh, expressing their ghost stories to us, we wouldn't have a show. So thank you so much for uh, doing all of that. How are you today, Jenny Bruski? I'm fine. How are you? I am doing just peachy keen. I uh, I had a little allergy attack right before the show, but I'm, I'm breathing well. You sound good. I think the ghosts were trying to prevent me from uh, communicating. <laughs> I think they were trying to make me just shut up. That or it could have been the lawn that I just mowed. I'm one thinking or, one the of the lawn. two. One of the two. Yeah. So uh, on today's show, got some great calls. Got uh, some interesting uh, follow-ups and some of the things we've talked about, like haunted hotels, and the news story that's uh, been coming out of a real-life possession going on uh, in Indiana. We'll talk about that here 
uh, in just a bit at realghoststoriesonline.com. 855-853-4802 is the phone number to call in with your Real Ghost Stories, 855-853-4802. Of course, you can just write it on our website at realghoststoriesonline.com. Uh, got a uh, letter uh, from someone uh, just saying, hey, I noticed you all have a little store on your website. That's great. Can't wait to order my shirt. I hope you accept PayPal. I'm going to wear it like a nightgown as I listen to the show so I can get into the ghostly mood. I like that. I like knowing how people are going to use their, their yeah. swag. Yeah, and it'd be cool to get pe- uh, pictures, like you were saying today, of people with their swag. Yeah. Um, so you can, uh, of course, order from uh, the website at realghoststoriesonline.com. Click on our store. And all sorts of uh, nifty stuff on there uh, with uh, a Real Ghost Stories logo on there. So... Enjoy. It helps support the show, and we thank you in advance uh, for that. Uh, we're talking about haunted hotels the other day, and uh, Denver Jim wrote in, I used to work in a hotel, and there was quite a few suicides and murders there. So, yes, there is a bad energy in hotels, too. Interesting. Yeah. Is that common in, in most hotels, all hotels? I suppose you could have a good mix of that in almost any hotel, really. I mean, because, I mean, hotels are an interesting place because you, you're, there's a lot of reasons people go to hotels. Yeah. It's not always just to go on vacation. No, there's good, there's bad. Yeah, there's escaping things. There's, there's a lot of, I, you know, and I, I'm imagining there's a lot more suicides in hotels than we're aware of. Because suicides don't get publicized for the most part, unless it's usually someone of note. That or if it's in conjunction with a homicide. Yeah. Other than that, if it's just someone just off themselves and it's just really not in relation to much of anything else, it doesn't go in the paper. It doesn't go in anything. No. Um, and a, probably pretty damn sure that that hotel is not about to say, hey, by the way, we had four suicides last week. Yeah. So you never really know what you're getting, you know, when you go into a hotel. No, and and you have to wonder, why are they at the hotel? You know, is there a relationship on the fritz and that's why they commit suicide at All the sorts hotel? Of or did they just do something they greatly regret and that's it? It's just a, I think, just a plethora of yeah. negativity and, and sad stories, you mm-hmm. know, and from all different facets of life. That's an interesting thing. You know, you, you go to a, you buy a house. You know, we were talking the other day about the uh, the letters that can sometimes, uh, or, or documentation that has to be there in some states of, how is it worded? I, I just listened to this episode earlier. Stigmatized today. property yeah, stigmatized or property. psychological, um, or Damage. psychologically impacted property. Impacted property, yeah. Um, you don't have anything like that in a hotel room. No. When you're signing on the dotted line, it's just like, okay, don't destroy the furniture and we'll uh, we'll keep this credit card on file in case you do. There's nothing there like, oh, by the way, uh, just sign to make sure that uh, you too are aware that uh, eight people have died in your room. Could you imagine how thick that document would be if they had to disclose everything that happened on that property? That'd be really interesting. If you asked, did they have to tell you? Probably not. It's like a rental. Yeah. Or they can always claim, I'm new here, so I don't know. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, half the hotel, you know, front desk, people don't know how to check you into the regular rooms as it is. I'm sure they probably don't necessarily know the history of the... yeah. The rooms themselves. Well, we had wait staff at the Hyatt that didn't know about the disaster that <laughs> yeah. happened there. So, yeah, that was like uh, quite a major disaster too. It's like one of the worst in the history of uh, of our country, where it was uh, like a hundred some people died. Yeah, in that hotel, and then the wait staff was like, "What are you talking about? What do you mean?" Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh God. 
Uh, Paul writes in, brilliant show as always. Perhaps hotels tend to be uh, more active because they house so much past emotions. My experience tells me that there are entities all around us everywhere talking to each other as we do here, but just on a different vibration to us, or should I say dimension. As for EVPs, I believe that you should have uh, a go and see what you can uh, what you can get. You may have to be quiet and be surprised by the results. I don't want to do that. Should we just sit here for an hour? Let's put a podcast out with nobody talking. Right. <laughs> Welcome to an episode of Real Ghost Stories Online. The next 58 minutes are going to be pure silence. We'll see what we get. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't I don't even want to know. I hate it when you used to jokingly pull out ghost radar on the iPad. Oh, that's fun. You know, and they'd say random things and I knew it really wasn't anything, but it still freaked me out. So I never had any results with ghost radar because I was I was reading an article the other day about all the different ghost apps that exist and there's apparently quite a few of them. Um some very in-depth one. I guess ghost radar is like the amateur one. Okay. It's like the most readily available you know popular because it's just you know oh ghost radar but there's some that are actually fairly they claim to be fairly scientific that look to be a little bit more in depth than ghost radar and i'm wondering if if those are accurate i was talking to someone about that not that long ago and the reply was well they're about just as accurate as any other because what they do is essentially they're mimicking other pieces of technology okay. that are out there that do detect these things. And what was said to me is they're about just as accurate as any of the other pieces of technology that are designed specifically for that. Like if you buy a specific reader that's supposed to do this or that. Because um, essentially it's it's all operating on the same you know wavelength. It's all you know electronic. It's just picking up signals okay uh, with its uh, you know electronic you know pulses into the the air and vibration so from what i understand an, an iphone ghost app can be just as uh, effective as most of the real professional equipment that exists um there's there's certain things like you know the where you get the what is it the the temperature with the laser and all that i mean there, there's certain things i'm sure that are a step above an iphone app uh-huh. but a lot of it essentially could be condensed into an iphone app these days okay so that's interesting if it i'm is. if i'm incorrect on that feel free to correct me but that's what someone uh in the field essentially explained to me not that uh, long ago james wrote in hey guys i just started listening uh to the show and i'm a psychic medium and i do think good spirits can go bad if an earthbound spirit still remained earthbound, they'll become the envy of the living and start to lash out at them. Now, if someone doesn't help them cross over over time, they will lose themselves and their souls and become evil spirits or demons. Okay. Thoughts on that? Um, what is the time frame that they have to accomplish this? It probably just depends on their patience level. <laughs> That's what I want to know. How long does it take before their, their spirit... I suppose if Diminishes. you're here for like more than a hundred years and nobody's helped you cross over, you may get really pissed off and just start being a very uh, malevolent spirit. Hey, you yeah, said I the word. Said the word, you right? Did. I grew up. Uh, is that and that's the correct? Yeah, yeah, it yeah. is. Um, I would think that that would be you know after a certain amount of time. I mean, it's like anything. You know, as a human being, if you're sitting there waiting for something to happen, eventually you get pissy and mean. I. Maybe not necessarily evil, but but is that necessarily turning into an evil spirit or a demon, or is that just turning into a really pissy ghost? 
Because I think there's I, there's two different things. There's demons and evil spirits, which I think are one and the same. And then there's uh, just real pissed off ghosts, just as there's real pissed off people. Well, okay. If I were a ghost and I waited and waited and waited and was not crossing over, I think I would get mad enough and angry enough that I'd start doing stuff out of frustration and... To be noticed? To be noticed. Sure. To, just to make a ruckus. But you're not a demon, though. I mean, that's, that's no, the No, but difference. I might be considered an evil spirit if I'm doing bad things. I think that'd be the wrong use of the term, though. It'd be like a bad little kid misbehaving. Yeah, it'd be like, you know, a poltergeist, a mischievous poltergeist of some sort. See, I, and that's that's a, a tricky thing. I think we got to, you know, to say, oh, you know, you got mad and you're a ghost, now you're a demon. I don't think that's the case. I just think you're an angry ghost. That's That's how I would look at it anyway. Huh? Maybe that's just how the process is, though. Is that like eventually you get pissed off enough, you get to the demon level? You're no. like, all right, you've been bad enough. Now you're really screwing with me. No, people. it's kind of like you have a certain amount of time sure. to get your shit together and cross over, yeah. or you have to pay the consequences. Well, what are the consequences? I mean, are there consequences, or is it all like a mental consequence? No, I think the consequences you turn into a demon. Like, you eventually get cast it into being a demon? That's what I'm understanding. I'm probably oh, wrong, but that sounds like you've kind of got a window of time to cross over or you disappear and you get, you know, you, you change into something that you really probably don't want to be. Well, is, there, is it the opposite true then, too? Can you become an angel? I don't know. That's the other question there. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't necessarily think I go that route with that one. Really? I don't, I think, I think you, I don't think people become demons. I don't think human beings do that. I, I really don't. I think the demons that are out there and the stories that we hear were never walking the earth. I think they are something completely different. I think they are just entities that were never human, uh, never going to be human, but they are out there. And I think that there's ghosts that are, were people. But I think, I mean, you can have evil people that are evil ghosts too, but I think they're different. Okay. I think they have different powers, too. Okay. And they might smell different as well. Really? Possibly have different colors. Well, seriously, the color thing. like The it, color thing, yeah, I can see. Yeah. The smell. I, I don't know. know. Smell could be true, too. Honestly, because a lot what of times... What does a ghost smell like? A lot of times, there are situations where people report uh, uh, very unique smells in certain rooms. Usually, demons and dark things have very rank smells. Okay. Um, you know, sulfuric smells, uh, just very repulsive. A lot of ghost stories, the people smell like the people smelled. Um, yeah, I believe that. So, honestly, I was saying the smell is kind of being a smartass, but honestly, I think it probably is true. It's probably right in line with it all. Okay. So, anyhow. Uh, we'll talk about the possession here uh, in Indiana. A real-life demon possession is being reported in Indiana the details are almost too horrifying to believe. We'll talk about that in just a few minutes here at Real Ghost Stories Online. Let's go over to a caller to 855-853-4802. 855-853-4802. That's a phone number that you too can call 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, and leave your real ghost story. Yes, let's hear yours. Hey, Tony. Hey, Jenny. My name is Maurice. I'm from Georgia. I'm going to tell you my mom's story about uh, a, I dare I say, a shadow person or demonic entity, whatever. Um, um, 
I'll let you guys, you know, talk about what you think it is. But um, this all started from me telling my mom when I was a little kid, hey, mom, there's no such thing as ghosts. And, uh, you know, she um, went on to tell me this story about how when we first uh, got this house, um, when I was uh, five or six, um, she uh, was working one day at home uh, and she was doing paperwork on the table in the living room and uh, she saw a figure move back and forth um, across the hallway to and fro from room to room and um, she, it freaked her out and she said well to herself well let me focus on my peripheral and uh, she decided to do that and it happened a few more times and this freaked her out so much she went outside into the garden and uh, just waited until I got home from school because uh, I guess my presence kind of took her attention away from that Uh, but while she was outside messing around in the garden and stuff she could see this thing opening up the blinds as if someone took their fingers and like open it up to peek out of the blinds it was looking at her and when she would turn around it would stay open for like a millisecond then it would close and um um one one night uh which this was the last straw after this kept happening every day um she was laying uh laying in her bed by herself uh because my stepdad's a truck driver and he um would go on long trips and wouldn't be home all the time, but he would come home in the middle of the night. Um, and she was laying, she was laying down and, um, she felt something breathe on her neck while she was asleep. And she thought it was my stepdad at first, uh, like he was sneaking up on her or something. And she threw open the covers and ran to go turn on the light because it freaked her out. And, there was nothing there but when as soon as she turned on the lights the blinds came crashing down against the window and these blinds are are both on opposite ends of the room um and then she went on to bless the house and things like that but this reminded me of or made me think rather of when i was that age and i would feel like i would be laying down in bed and it would feel like my mom was laying or not laying, but sitting at the foot of my bed, and I would look up and there'd be nobody there. Um, and I just never thought about it until she told me that story. Uh, I have a couple more stories, uh, if you guys are interested. Uh, I love your show. Uh, I've listened to every single show you have, or not every single show, but every single episode. Uh, yes to four episodes a week. Uh, that would be awesome. Uh, thanks. Bye. There you go. Yeah, definitely call in with more stories. What is up with the ghosts that sit on the end of the bed? And breathe on people. Yeah. There's a lot of breathing on people ghosts hanging out on ends of beds. I don't know. Um, you know, we here's a thought. I mean, we spend so much of our life in bed. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe there's just a, a lot of energy on beds. You know, that's expelled there because we're just sitting there dreaming and the emotions that go through. Dream- I don't know. I'm just shooting ideas out there. But I could see be- if you think of all the objects that, that we-, we have in our homes that we are close to, uh, a bed would be the one in most cases that we are closest to 
uh, more than anything else. Our bot physical bodies are. Yeah. So I wonder if they're sort of like conduits for spirit energy. Just because there's a lot that may be residing in that general area of our own energies. So not necessarily has to be like the same mattress that somebody else had or something, but but even just the same general area. Because most rooms have the one spot where a bed goes. I could say, yeah, a general area or the, I mean, I think the closer you are to the object, the, the more, I guess, your energy is, you know, shed off into it. Um, I would think beds, whether it been a used bed or your own bed, I mean, just the fact that a human is there, mm-hmm. I, I could see that kind of being like a, a conduit, like water is or electricity is or, okay, you know how they, people say that uh, bathrooms are a big conduit because of the water and the electricity and kitchens, and kitchens too. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe beds are that same sort of way. I don't know. I don't know if either. anyone has any insight into that one. I'd love to hear it. 855-853-4802. That's the phone number to call in with your real ghost story. You ready for the demon story? I, I think so. This uh, is coming out of Indiana. And this is a, a story written by Jason uh, Howerton. The, uh, the story goes, a terrified mother claims she watched in horror as her demon-possessed nine-year-old son walked backwards up a wall and ceiling. Her claims would be easy to dismiss if a child services caseworker and a nurse weren't repeatedly there to witness it all. Latoya Amons claims all three of her children showed signs of being possessed, including evil smiles and strangely deep voices, the Indianapolis Star reports. So this is in Indianapolis. This isn't like in some third world country. The mother says she also witnessed a 12-year-old daughter levitating in their Gary, Indiana home. Gary, Indiana is not necessarily a... It's not a a fine uh, community, I I believe. Why do you say that? Uh, That's one of those cities that was hit pretty hard like Detroit around that time. Oh, okay. Lots of crime, lots of uh, depression. It's kind of Flint-esque. So, uh, yeah, I could see that being a, I mean, just like Detroit, kind of just a hotbed of of sadness. Okay. And I'm not saying it to knock your city, Gary, Indiana. I'm just saying it. it's a sad state of affairs. You know, I think anyone who lives there, I mean, even if you are proud of your city, you got to admit, when things suck, they suck. Yeah. Strangely enough, the uh, scary-sounding incident is outlined in official documents. Further, uh, Gary Police Captain Charles uh, Austin told the Star that uh, he is a believer after making several visits to the home and interviewing witnesses. He thought the family was making up stories as part of a get-rich-quick scheme. Uh, Amos's home was exercised by a Catholic priests in a number of ceremonies that were reportedly authorized by the Diocese of Gary. The story apparently became so believable that uh, officers with the police department said they were too scared to stay at the house and some city officials wouldn't even step foot on the property. 32-year-old mother says the spirits that haunted her family's house were, uh, were only vanquished after she moved away and underwent several exorcisms. The unbelievable story has come to light after the Indianapolis Star obtained hundreds of pages of official documents relating to the case. The uh, Amos' family moved into the rental house on Carolina Street in Gary, Indiana, back in November of 2011. 
They soon noticed strange occurrences, including swarms of flies around the house, footsteps in the basement, and wet footprints streaking across the living room floor. But what happened next made those incidents seem pleasant. In March 2012, Amons claims she rushed to check her 12-year-old daughter, or ch- a check on her 12-year-old daughter after hearing her screams. When she entered the bedroom, she says she witnessed her daughter levitating above her bed unconscious. The family and some of the guests that were uh, hosting uh, prayed over the girl until she returned back to bed. The girl reportedly didn't remember anything about it. The torment reportedly continued, and the family wasn't in a position financially to flee the home. So the family contacted churches and clairvoyants for help, but they received little relief. The clairvoyants allegedly told the family their house was haunted by more than 200 demons. Huh. That's pleasant. When you got that going on, what when your options are literally, I can't afford to leave, or living under a bridge or living with the demons. You almost go for the bridge. Why are there so many demons? What with that? I don't know. It's a sad, like I said, it's not a great place. Uh, uh, Amon's claims her, this could be a lot of murders or something. I mean, I'm, seriously. Uh, Amon's claims her children's eyes bulged and they... Uh, regularly sported evil smiles, effects of their possession. The youngest child would reportedly sit in the closet and talk to an invisible child that no one could see. She also claims that he was once thrown from the bathroom when no one was even near him. Most of Eamon's allegations are backed up by her mother, Rosa Campbell, who also lived in the house. Later in 2012, Child Protective Services in Indiana was contacted to investigate the mother for possible child abuse or mental illness. A a psychiatrist reportedly evaluated Eamon's and determined she was not mentally ill. A family case manager reportedly interviewed the family and witnessed a number of strange occurrences. Valerie Washington confirmed that she witnessed the youngest boy growling before his eyes rolled back in his head. Although I've seen kids do that before. Yeah. You know. Uh, I want to hear the Child Protective Services say, I witnessed the child levitate and then his head spin around and pea soup come out. Unfortunately, that's not part of the article. The family managed... That's what we just read. Washington also claimed she saw the nine-year-old boy flash a weird grin and then walk backwards up a... Okay, well, here we go. (laughs) Washington also claimed she saw the nine-year-old boy flash a weird grin and then walk backwards up a wall to the ceiling. Her account was corroborated by a nurse. There's no way you could have done that, the nurse told the star. After being sent to investigate, Amons Washington uh, concluded that an evil influence might be affecting the family. You think? Uh, there you go. That's uh, the source. Of that's from The Blaze, which I believe is... Uh, I think that's Glenn Beck's rag. But uh, as much as I want to believe Glenn Beck. But uh, nonetheless, I mean, it is it is uh, sourcing the, the star, which is a fairly reputable newspaper. So are the kids okay now since they've moved and they've done all these exorcisms? I don't know. That's what I want to know uh, since there's three of them involved. No Oh, here's uh, here's some video from the Indianapolis Star. You want to hear that? Nope. I do. Uh, anyone else want to hear it? I do. The EVPs want to hear it, too. All right. Okay, so this is from the Star. Come near your dwelling, for he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your... This is a video. The Exorcism of Evil is what it says. It's called The Exorcisms of Latoya uh, Amons. This was, you know, the beginning of winter, so that was very odd to me. 
we would lock the basement. I love when a newspaper is trying to do audio pieces. Now, you know, everybody's like, oh, let's be super interactive. But there's like no training in how to capture audio without shitloads of background noise. Yeah. It's like, can we at least, before we give all these people camcorders and microphones, give them just, oh, I don't know, a five-minute course on how how to gather audio and video? It's like, oh, I don't know, nobody listens or watches our, our print. Well, your print sucks, and uh, any little bit of uh, interactive you're doing also sucks. And you would hear something hit, hit the door. Boom! And you would hear dogs barking. No dogs, dogs outside. No dogs. We would go look. No doubt. One time, they she woke up in the middle of the night, maybe like three in the morning. This is their priest. Um, they saw this shadowy figure pacing back and forth in the living room. And I saw one like coming into full image. It was coming out of my closet. I've never seen it like that before. I would see the shadows, you know, but I've never seen it like how I'm looking at you and you're looking at me. You can see him stretching his stomach. And my grandson was crying. Oh, oh, mama, grandma, help, help. And then we go to his leg, and his leg was bulging. I'm like, oh my God, Tony, look. It was bulging out of his arm. And then we pray over him, pray over him, pray over him, pray over him, and we know him, and we know him. Latoya took me inside the house and showed me different stuff. He's a landlord. I didn't see anything that was relevant to what she said, even though other people did. So I was very skeptical. I just figured she owed me money, and this is a fabricated story. And that's not strange to my walk of life. That does happen, you know. Like I said, if I'd heard it all, this is a new, t- new one to me. Can you imagine being that landlord? <laughs> hey, by the way, I think all my kids are possessed. They're walking up the walls. And, uh, yeah, you got something? No, I'm just doing a little research on the town itself. Okay. And I'm told my daughter said, there gonna make it look like we are hurting each other. So we're gonna to have to get some help some kind of place, some kind of way. We gotta convince somebody that this is actually going on. This boy was um, in one of the um, emergency room areas. He was kind of growling, you know, and, and his grandmother was uh, holding his hands and, and trying to coax him back. And all of a sudden he started, you know, she was kind of backing him up and toward the wall. And then he started to walk up the wall backwards, did a flip over her head. And, uh, and and there was the psychologist and the social ser- uh, service worker in that room that saw that, and they ran out and got the uh, um, security, and the security called the chaplain, and you know he called me, and they got the police involved and all that. Is it, did the, the church start getting involved, and you start saying, and there's people saying, hey, kids are walking up walls. I mean, is that what it takes? I don't know. Maybe it takes the documentation by the police involvement. Maybe that's what it is. So he saw what the other one did when he went up that wall. Then he like, oh my God, this is impossible. Nobody could do this. Nobody. There's five people that saw this happen. And they're, you know, different walks of life. That, that does change things a little bit. I have, I have a hard to believe that all five of those people will say this just to be saying it. Says Father Mike performed blessing, but found an exorcism was in order, and another, and another. We'll have to do an exorcism. It was pretty much without incident until we get to the part 
of your name and you asked for its name now so far she's always been silent so and I says is your name whatever and then all of a sudden she started convulsing and such so so now once you have a name you kind of attack it you try everything you know you kind of go through the whole right to see which things push the buttons of you know um, the, the entity and once you found what does it you keep on using it over and over whenever you would praise God in Latin no reaction but you start condemning the demon you know condemning you know the, the evil spirit you know all of a sudden she's reacting to that and then you will go back and the moment you go back to praising God she would stop reacting so I went through the whole rite and then finally went the second time you know and then it was just like just focusing on the condemnations part and that was kind of riling up I think I even went a third time but you could tell it was kind of weakening and then eventually she fell asleep again Demons can actually possess you, use you, so you can give them souls, you know, and they make you take your own life, you know, so, I mean, it's real, and a lot of people don't think about it, they live their lives day to day, and you never think that it would be you. Sounds to this state, the demons are gone. Okay. So that's... Good. Uh, interesting. Uh, exorcisms of Latoya Amos. If you want to watch it, that's uh, on the Indianapolis Star website, indiestar.com. Uh, yeah. What do you think? I think it sounds pretty damn legit. I think so, too. With that many people involved and people who are not necessarily, you know, looking to be involved in something of that nature, like the nurse or the child health care workers or... Well, and I think that's what does it for me is the number of reputable people you know it's not just a family saying this is going on you've got police and and clergy and a nurse and a a child protective services worker all saying that this is going on it just sounds really dark i mean it's amazing that it stopped i would think that something like this would just continue on you know (laughs) for a long time in my little bit of research about gary you were right um so far the city's seen 22 murders this year oh Hasn't, hasn't Wichita seen 22 murders? Yeah, but the thing too. is, all of last year, it saw 43, which is per capita three times as many murders in that little town. Because mm-hmm. it's not very big, right? No, okay. as, as there is in all of Chicago. Okay, okay. Yeah. So, but the murders have gotten so heinous as of like three days ago, they are getting a new police chief. They're oh, done. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of issues in that uh, area of the country, I think, with a lot of their uh, the police forces and uh, the, just the residents as well. You know, it's not exactly a great place you want to, uh, not a great place to raise a family. But some amazing urban exploration pictures. Oh, yeah. I mean, it is, it's, it's, it's similar to Detroit in that aspect where, um, you know, it had its, its heyday and then it had its mass exodus. Mm-hmm. And with its mass exodus, you know, it all the buildings slowly fell apart. So, well, some of those things I'd love to go urban exploring there or Detroit, but I'd also rather not, you know, be stabbed either. So, no. it's kind of one of those things where unless you're going like with an armed escort, uh, it might not be the uh, the best of ideas. Again, I'm sorry if I'm if I'm attacking anyone's hometown, but you probably are well aware that uh, not a super great place anymore. 
Um, 855-853-4802, 855-853-4802 with your real ghost story to uh, share with us. Oh, that's creepy and kind of loud. Let me, yeah. uh, let me just turn that down. There we go. Uh, let's go over to a letter. This comes to us from Angela. Angela writes in, This event took place this past Saturday. I regularly listen to your show and secretly wish that I had a good story to tell. Up until this point, I had only seen my grandfather's face outlined in silver one night while I was lying in bed. I was not scared, so it never occurred to me to write about it. I am not really sure if what I saw was real or just an optical illusion. I can really put it uh, out of my I can't really put it out of my mind, so I figured I would share. Sometimes writing things out put th- uh, puts things into perspective for me. In April, I visited a local psychic medium. I was told that I have a gift, too, and that in my past life, I made a living as a psychic. It did not really shock me, as I've always felt that I could feel energy around me. My boyfriend and I moved into our new apartment at the end of April. It is an old home converted into apartments in the historic part of the city of Buffalo, New York. I didn't feel like there's anything in the apartment, but since we toured the apartment, I've been creeped out in the basement. This feels like you're being watched when you're in the laundry room. I get butterflies in my stomach, and I feel like I need to get the heck out of there as soon as possible. I have to make my boyfriend do some of my laundry with his just so I can put off going down there. I've been reading a lot about the paranormal as my interest has been piqued since my feeling that I have a gift was verified by a medium that I visited. I read a lot about true stories of what seem like demonic hauntings. I've been scaring the crap out of myself and hoping that uh, will never happen to me. This past Saturday, I was looking into the mirror in the bathroom, and I had a feeling that I needed to look into the hallway. The mirror is situated, so the hallway is in my peripheral. I looked and saw a head outlined in silver floating about five feet in the air, and the eyes looked evil and appeared to be smiling. I was frozen in shock for a minute and then walked towards it. As I walked the four feet into the hallway, it seemed to disappear. I looked into the bedroom and had the feeling that I had moved into the back of the room near the closet. I've always been afraid of dark closets ever since I was little. I used to have vivid night terrors about running through my playroom and things jumping out of closets to get me. I'm not sure if that's why I got creeped out by the back corner of the bedroom or not. My rational side is telling me I just saw my own eyes in the hallway after looking in the mirror. My gut is telling me it was something else entirely. Also, I'm not sure if it's because I've been reading about the paranormal and that is why I've been creeped out recently. Maybe because I've been more open in general. I'm not terrified or anything. I'm creeped out because I am afraid that I'm going to see something that will scare the crap out of me. Who knows? Maybe that thing that I feel in the basement decided it would be fun to scare me. Thanks so much for the show. Keep up the good work. A few other people have stated in addition to the addition of your wife is great. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Well, I think it's always good to, you know, when you feel like you might be able to sense those things to have that kind of, you know, it's nice to have that verified. Mm -hmm. But I think that also does open you up to more paranormal experiences because you've kind of wrapped your mind around the fact that you might be able to do that. So I think you're going to start feeling and seeing more things what do you think yeah i think that makes sense i think it, the more uh, the more aware you are of things the more i mean the more internally you are aware of things the more externally you will be as well you know especially in something of that nature yeah, yeah. 
855-853-4802 is the phone number to call in if you have a real ghost story. 855-853-4802. You call in 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Leave us your ghost story, just like this person did. Um, I was taking my dog out uh, about three days ago, and I was always outside. I felt a presence um, staring at me, and I kind of just, you know, shrugged it off. I mean, it was like 5.45 in the morning. I was half asleep. Um, it was completely dark. And I wanted to make sure my dog was done before going outside. So I looked down at him. He's still going. So I look up again, and I see this older um, Spanish woman staring at me through the open window of the uh, house next door to me. And I thought, I mean, she looked like an actual human being, like just standing there watching me. And she was on the second floor um, window. And I had a screen on it, but it was open. And I said, good morning. And she didn't say anything. She stared at me, didn't move, didn't do anything. And finally, my dog goose, I looked down, he was done going to the bathroom. So when I went to go back inside, I looked up and at the same window, and she was completely gone. Um, so this morning, the landlord of that building um, greeted me and said, hello, good morning, you know, all that. And I asked him, I was like, okay, so one of your tenants, I just want to make sure she's okay because she looked like she was sick. You know, like she didn't look well when I was looking at her and she just looked weathered and she just looked like she was sick with, you know, something. And he was like, I don't know what you're talking about. We don't have an older woman living in that building of that description. And I told him, I was like, no, I saw it, I swear. Uh, you know, like, she was staring at me. I saw her clear as day. She even looked like a ghost. He's like, oh, we've heard that before. He's like, but I wouldn't be alarmed. She just likes to stare. <laughs> and I was like, um, that's kind of creepy. So I thought I'd share that with you. Um, I was kind of freaked out about it. I'm, I just avoided that area of the house when I take my dog out because our apartment's right next to that house. So, um. Even when you go outside of our apartment, that window's right there. So I just go to the side of the apartment just to avoid it, just to make sure, because it freaks me out. So um, that's my story. Thanks, guys. Love the show. Bye. That's amazing that it looks so real that you even said good morning to it. It's a shame we didn't say anything back. I know. Yeah. And the landlord's like, yeah, yeah, we get that a lot. It's she just, just a ghost. likes to watch. No big know. deal. That's what she does. <laughs> wow. Speaking of the landlord and kind of going back to the uh, the possession case and Gary, uh, the uh, <laughs> landlord of that house. How do you get new tenants for that place? I don't. I mean, think it's you all do. it's all over the news. It's uh, yeah. I mean, do you try? I don't know. Or do you just? I mean, because he even came out like, "Yep, I think something's going on there." Yeah, well, it's all documented, and he's gone on the record saying that. I don't know what you do with that. Do you just kind of give it up and say, I don't think so? I don't know. I would hope he'd have enough of a conscience that he wouldn't rent it to somebody that at least not, you know, that has children. If some grown adult wants to take their chances on their own free will, that's one thing. But but exposing kids to that, when obviously it's the kids that are preyed on in this situation. It eventually will be made into a movie. And the house, the, the picture of the house I'm looking at, it does not have any sort of real ominous look to it. or It just looks like your typical inner city kind of shithole house, if you will. Um, but uh, I can imagine what, what this thing will look like in the movies. 
Oh yeah. When they may it'll it'll be like Amityville esque. It'll be this you know mansion, you know, with it'll it'll coincidentally have eye windows. Because I mean, honestly, it does kind of sound somewhat like the Amityville case with the flies and the priest saying, "It's a great story." I'm still, I'm kind of hung up on this one. I'm going to, I think I might do a little more research on this. Maybe we can have someone on the show to talk about it. Maybe we can have her on the show to talk about it. Anyone know her? Uh, What's her name again? I don't. Latoya Amons? Yeah. You don't want to talk to her? I don't know. You're afraid someone's going to come down the phone line? Not down the phone line. I'm just, I don't know. I wouldn't mind talking to one of the officials involved in it. That would be interesting. How about the priest? Yeah. If gonna, he would I'm talk gonna to I'm going to look us. into him. Oh, yeah. He talked to the star. So I'm going to look into that one. That would be uh, that would be a good episode. 855-853-4802. 855-853-4802 with your real ghost stories. Uh, nah writes in, Hey, Tony and Jenny. Love each episode so far. And with the involvement of your wife, it makes it even better. Keep it up. Uh, first of all, please forgive me for such a long letter, but it must be told. This is an encounter... That has puzzled me for a while, but here is my real ghost story. Before I start, uh, I start my ghost encounters. I want to give you a little background of me. I am writing from Frogtown, Minnesota. I was raised to believe that the idea of everything in the world has a spirit or energy, including a ghost. A family of uh, ten people, but I uh, was uh, the father among the siblings. If you're wondering why I made the last regard about being the the fat one, it's because uh, that's where I met a ghost child. Doesn't seem to make any sense. The fat one? I don't I don't understand it. Oh, the fatter one amongst the siblings. I thought it said father. Oh, uh, okay. That's me not reading correctly. Okay. I was the fatter one among because I guess I don't expect people to say they were the fatter one amongst the siblings. There you go. Okay, so they were the large one. Continuing on, from where I live, about a mile, there was a former Hmong funeral home on the street of Dale and uh, Lafond Avenue. It was demolished in 08 or 09, so during the summer of 2009, early morning, the sun was even out, but the sky was starting to lighten up. I was out jogging to get skinny. All I took with me is a house key, an MP3 player, and my wristwatch. The time was 4.53 a.m. Since the air was a lot more clean, fresh, and cool, I was uh, recording to see if uh, I made any improvement in my speed this time. Usually the time that takes me to reach the destination and the back by jogging would take 30 minutes. For the first 15 minutes, nothing was out of the ordinary. When I reached the destination, which is Dale Street, I stopped for a bit to stretch and catch my breath. As I was about to start my jog back, I felt a quick tug on the bottom of my shirt. I noticed that there was a female child on my right side holding a doll. She was dressed in a white gown. Without much thought, I slowly lowered myself to her eye level to prevent any discomfort, but her hair was blocking her face. I asked, where's your parents? No reply. I thought she was just shy or scared, so I stood back up and looked around to see if there was any parents around. Sally, there were no parents around, just me and her. I crouched back down to ask her if she knew where she lived. Perhaps I could walk her home or at least a local market to use their phone to call her parents. But she just stood there silently. So I thought maybe she did not understand English, so I should try and mung. I asked her the same question, where are your parents? The child pointed towards behind me. So I thought maybe her house is that way. 
As I started to walk towards LaFond Avenue from Thomas Avenue, about halfway I noticed that my shoelace was loosened, so I stopped to tighten my laces. Something caught the corner of my eye, which was that this child was uh, on her standing on the tip of her toes the whole time as if gliding and pointing towards an open area across the street. And I began to wonder what kind of child would be out this early without any, without any parent's supervision in a white gown with a doll and pointing towards a land that was used as a funeral home. Slowly, it all clicked together. That's when all the hairs in my body stood up. This is no child. This is the ghost of a child. I slowly stood up, and without even looking at her, I stated, I accidentally left my phone around that corner over there, so you must stay here and wait for someone else to walk with you while I go get my phone. When I finished my sentence, I took off without even looking back. About two days after this encounter, I told the, oh my, the older brother about the encounter, and he told me that the place where I met the ghost child used to be a funeral home for the Hmong community in Frogtown, and it is also the place where the families send off the sick children, uh, or, or families send off six children that was strangled by their mother in 1998. I was shocked and surprised, so I went online and did a little research and found it to be quite sad. I added the links uh, of my digging at the end of this letter. Uh, This is one of the many encounters that I've had. Thank you for reading my long encounter, and any further questions, please contact me through email. Uh, And then there's the links to the the news stories, too. Uh, Just to uh, cross-reference and confirm that, yes, indeed, there was a strangling of six children by a mother, and that the children went to that funeral home. That's awful. Would you run away from the uh, ghost child? I love how he was like, um, yeah, I gotta go get my phone. See ya. I love that. That's so funny. It's like a bad date. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I know. Uh, I got a call. I, I really have to run right now, ghost child. I'm sorry. I think it is so sweet that he knew that that was a ghost of a child, but he was still like kind of somewhat worried about her feelings. I just think that that's but he still great. abandoned the ghost child. What's going to happen? She's a ghost. Nothing bad's going to happen to her. <laughs> I know. I, I just, I just finished walking her to the to the. <laughs> I just the think place. that is so sweet. I love this story. Wow. 855-853-4802. I would love to hear more of your stories. Uh, he says he has more, so yeah. I want to know if, if that child was one of the six children. Be, I, I don't know how you'd reference that, but it'd be interesting to see if there's a way to do that. Well, a lot of times when it's a horrific story like that, to further demonize the parent after they've done something like that, they usually put pictures of the children in the paper, you know, like their school oh, pictures. Oh, okay. sure, sure, sure. So that's why I wondered. Oh. It'll be interesting, too, to see like what time of day this happened at. Maybe the girl was wearing like her nightgown or something, and that's how, how it ended. Yeah. You know? uh, 855-853-4802 with your... Real ghost story. Kitha writes in. Hello, Tony and Jenny. I'm writing in again with another story for you. I have plenty to share, but I'll space them out so you don't get tired of me. So now on to my story. In 1996, I moved in with my boyfriend, who was in my high who was my high school sweetheart, into our first apartment. Things went great. Shortly thereafter, we found out we were expecting our first child. Filled with joy, my now husband began uh, painting and helping me decorate for the baby. About six and a half months, I started having complications with the pregnancy, so I was in and out of the hospital and doctor's offices quite a bit. One night, coming back home late from getting tons of blood work done, receiving pain meds and medications to stop labor, we arrived home and parked in our usual spot. My husband and I sat for a while in the car before getting out. 
We were exhausted and really just wanted to bite to eat and some peaceful rest. We sat and joked about just staying right there in the car and sleeping. As we laughed that off and began to gather my things, we heard the noise in front of the car. It was a cat jumped on the top of the brick wall that we were facing. For some reason, we both got really quiet and just watched it. The cat was not facing us, but it was like it sensed we were looking at it rather hard. Just then, the cat turned around and freaked us both out. I let out a little gasp, and my husband placed his hand on my leg as to say, Don't move, just be quiet. And that's what I did. Then he asked me, Do you see what I see? I replied to him, Oh my God, yes. I could not take my eyes off this animal. I couldn't believe what I was seeing, nor could my husband. The cat looked like... uh, Okay, what's the name of the cat from Alice in Wonderland? Lucifer? Uh, or the Cheshire Cheshire. Cat? Cheshire. Okay. okay, I couldn't know. I didn't know what this name was. Cheshire, the Cheshire cat from Alice in Wonderland. What did that cat look like? He was kind of, if I remember right, he was kind of striped. And okay. Let me see if I can find it. It crouched down in the laying position and stared back at us. At that moment, the cat smiled and had the mouth of a human. Cats are not supposed to have lips, I thought to myself. I tried to blink my eyes several times. You may be thinking the doctors gave me some really heavy drugs, right? Well, that actually was my next thought. Okay, that is a, that's a cartoon type cat. Yeah. Um, actually, yes, I was thinking maybe you were on some drugs and maybe your husband happened to take some too. Nope, because my husband was seeing the same thing as I was and didn't take even an aspirin that day. Okay, well, we ruled that out. A dang cat never took its eyes off us and kept the same expression for what seemed like forever. My husband asked me to get out of the car quickly and hightail to the door of our apartment and get it open. And that's exactly what I did. I know it sounds funny, two grown people scared of a cat, but we were totally uncomfortable. When he got inside the house and he explained how he had to walk past it from the side of the car and the cat never moved but watched him walk all the way out the door... He looked back one last time, locking eyes with the cat and shutting the door fast. We didn't really get the rest that I mentioned earlier. That night, we both couldn't get it out of our minds. We never saw that particular cat again. It was strange, but that's not what made me want to move from the complex. Getting further along in my pregnancy, I developed insomnia issues. Couldn't sleep for anything. uh, One late night, as my husband lie asleep in bed... I went to the living room to enjoy some Ricky Lake and Jerry Springer repeats. Haven't heard Ricky Lake in a while. Yeah. Haven't heard Ricky Lake. Uh, While enjoying a crisp pickle and a bag of hot Cheetos. I know that may sound gross, but hey, I was pregnant in the mood for comfort foods. As I sat on the couch, I had a clear view of our hallway and could see see it fairly well. There were no lights on, just a glow from the television. I thought I may have awakened my husband with the sound of the TV because I saw him walk out of our bedroom and cross the hall to the bathroom. I turned the volume down and waited for him to come out of the bathroom. A few minutes went by and I continued to wait, looking down the hall to apologize to him for the sound being that he had to get up for work in a few short hours. The thing is, he never came out. So I got up the strength to hoist my very pregnant body off the couch to see if maybe he didn't feel well. As I turned the corner to the bathroom, which was directly across from our bedroom, I noticed the door was open and there was no light on. So I called to him, trying to fix my eyes to the darkness to see if I could see him. There was no answer. So I walked right into the bathroom and flicked on the light. Sure enough, he was not there. The bathroom light shined right into the bedroom and there was the sound. He was there sound asleep in bed. 
Leaving just the light from the bathroom on, I walked into our room and shook him slightly to wake him. I asked, did you just get back in bed after going to the bathroom? He rubbed his face and looked at me kind of funny and said, no, I've been asleep. Why? I told him that I saw him walk through the hall to the bathroom just minutes ago. He yawned and said, oh yeah, that. My mother says that she has seen seen me too. It happened a lot when I lived at home, but it would be at times when I was away at a friend's or relative's house. Don't worry about it. Come to bed and try to get some rest. My jaw dropped, just how nonchalant he spoke of what I had just witnessed. Needless to say, again, I didn't sleep that night. Things didn't get any better. I would sleep during the day while my husband was at work thanks to my sleeping problems, but I kept having a voice wake me, calling my name, but it would sound just like my husband. Other times I would wake up and be paralyzed and would hear sinister laughing and creepy crackles. This happened on more than two occasions. I didn't want to bother my husband with this at first uh, until uh, the last episode of experiencing my name being called in my ear as I slept, which woke me, then the creepy laughter on top of not being able to move. It scared me so bad I began to cry, but silently. I was not able to speak or cry out in any way. I closed my eyes and began to pray. After a while, the laughing stopped and I slowly regained the ability to move. I got up and got dressed and just sat outside my apartment, teary-eyed and irritated with the things I was dealing with. The neighbor, which became a good friend of my husband, came out of his apartment and noticed I'd been crying. The poor guy thought I was in active labor and thought I needed a ride to the hospital since my husband was at work. I don't know why, but I just began to blurt out all of the crap that I'd been going, I'd been going through, telling him about the happenings in my unit. He explained to me that there had been a lot of bad things that had happened within that complex. A man that died from a drug overdose in the unit right across from me, as well as some people that they believed were practicing voodoo right next to me. The neighbor explained how they were finding uh, dead, beheaded chickens in strange places like the laundry room, which was right next to my apartment. My bedroom was on the opposite side of the laundry room. And the trash bin areas, also by the community mailboxes. I don't know how any of what he told me had to do with me at my unit, and I didn't really care. That night when my husband came home, I had a talk with him, and we agreed it would be best to move. We stayed with my parents for the last few days. It took me to deliver our baby girl. But when we brought her home, it was a new apartment, clear across town. Well, that's my story, but the saga continues. There are more, and they get a little darker. And a few are actually kind of sweet. I'll continue to write them in, and they do get better. On the other hand, maybe I'll call in the next ones and save you the time from reading another long letter. Thanks for reading the story. As always, I'll be listening to every episode you and Jenny put out. Please keep them coming. Thank you for writing in and the story. And do keep sharing whether you uh, call in at uh, 855-853-4802 or if you uh, decide to to write in. Either way, greatly, uh, greatly appreciate it. So if you told me that you just randomly astral project yourself, I would have a problem with that. I don't think it's astral projection. I think, uh, I, I think that there is like a. I think the husband's haunted. I think there's some sort of demonic force following him. That's because it, it sounds fairly dark. It sounds like maniacal and dark. Yeah. So that's uh, that's my take on the situation, and I, I think he's. He's has no control over it. I don't. I'd be interested to hear a little bit more about his past to see 
what invited that into his life if he did or if someone else did uh, you know bring that into his world I don't know but I think that there's something um, that's following him around and unfortunately then it's uh, affecting uh, you know the folks around him I want to hear the other stories I do too so uh, so please do write in and share uh, or call in the uh, the stories we'd love to hear more because that was uh, that was a really good story and it was a good idea that they got out of there uh, once they had the baby just to kind of start out fresh supposedly and all yeah. over they said there's more stories so uh, that and, and just saying there's more stories makes me think it's not necessarily the building no something followed him so I do want to hear more too 855-853-4802 is the phone number to call in with your real ghost story please share the show uh, let your friends know about us on Facebook on Twitter on Pinterest pin our show uh, that'd be greatly appreciated every episode that you do that too helps other folks find us helps us get more great real ghost stories to share with you every single episode here at Real Ghost Stories Online And of course, we're giving away that bonus episode right now as well. We need to leave us a uh, positive review there on iTunes and give us some stars. You email me the username that you used and I'll reply back to your email with a link to that private bonus episode that we made just for you as a thank you for helping us climb those charts there on iTunes and getting the word out about our show. Press subscribe if you've not done so yet. It helps us out quite a bit. So until next time, for Jenny Bruski, I'm Tony Bruski. Thank you for listening to another episode of Real Ghost Stories Online.